Hi there, and welcome to Emmanuel. This is our weekly teaching podcast. We hope that it encourages you to live a little bit more every day like Jesus taught us to. God bless you. What do most people think of when they hear the acronym DIY? Do it yourself. Do it yourself. You've got it. How many of you, raise your hand. I can't raise my hand on this one. How many of you are DIY people? Do-it-yourself people. We don't need to buy that. We can make that ourselves. We don't need someone to come in to fix that. We can fix it ourselves. You're DIY people, and there are a lot of good things to say about that. There are other people whom I call run-to-Egypt people. God's people back in biblical times when they were threatened by another country, another army, they would run run to a stronger nation and stronger rulers and armies. Often it was Egypt, because Egypt was a powerful force at that time. So this is totally my term, but I call it run to Egypt people. And when something goes wrong and we need some help, we run to somebody for advice. What should I do? We run to someone else for some help and run to someone to show us how to do things. And as Christians, as we should do, we often run first to Jesus. We go to him in prayer. And then we go into DIY or we run to Egypt. I'm using Paul's letter this morning. And we shouldn't do that. That was supposed to bring a little laugh, folks. I'm sorry. We go to Jesus and then we end up being DIY and run to eat. No, don't do that. Run to Jesus and ask him help. I'm using Paul's letter this morning from the book of Romans that we can look at ourselves and how we come to Jesus as you've seen in baptism this morning and then how we continue as they made that promise, continue to live our lives as followers of Jesus. Paul was a religious Jewish leader, and he was so intense in his faith. He did everything right. He was driven as a religious leader in the Jewish faith. And then Jesus met him, and he met Jesus. So Paul, in his letter, is speaking out of his own experience. And we read, and I'm going to read it in just a moment, that his heart is just aching, aching for people to accept Jesus, to know who he is, to be made right with God through Jesus, and relax and live in that. And I'm going to use the word relax a few times this morning, because I believe that we have to stop trying so hard, that we need to experience the life and the joy of knowing Jesus as our our Lord. And like Paul, many of us have given our lives to Jesus, and we can't imagine life without him anymore. But our hearts are breaking for loved ones, family, and friends who don't know him yet. And if our hearts ache, imagine how God's heart aches for his children to come to know him and have relationship with him. So I am going to read Romans 10, verses 1 to 10. Uh, Paul can be a little bit difficult to understand sometimes, so I'm going to be using the message translation. And I've typed it out to have it in my Bible. From the message translation, Romans 10. Believe me, friends, all I want for Israel is what's best for Israel. Salvation, nothing less. I want it with all my heart, and I pray to God for it all the time. I readily admit that the Jews are impressively energetic regarding God, but they're doing everything exactly backward. They don't seem to realize that this comprehensive setting things right, that is salvation, is God's business. 
and a most flourishing business it is, or they have made it. Right across the street, they set up their own salvation shops and noisily hawk their wares. After all these years of refusing to really deal with God on his terms, insisting on making their own deals, they have nothing to show for it. The earlier revelation was intended simply to get us ready for the Messiah, who then puts everything right for those who trust him to do it. Moses wrote that anyone who insists on using the law code to live right before God soon discovers it's not so easy. Every detail of life regulated by fine print. But trusting God to shape the right living in us is a different story. No precarious climb up to heaven to recruit the Messiah. No dangerous descent into hell to rescue the Messiah. So what exactly was Moses saying? He was saying the word that saves is right here, as near as the tongue in your mouth, as close as the heart in your chest. It's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things right for us. This is the core of our preaching. Say the welcoming word to God. The welcoming word, Jesus is my Lord. Embracing body and soul, God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. And that's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God, setting things right, and then you say it right out loud, God has set everything right between him and me. I think that's a beautiful passage of scripture that Paul has given us. I like the fresh uh, translation of the message by Eugene, Eugene uh, Peterson. As we have said, and you've just heard it read from this passage, the longing that's in Paul's heart and in his prayer for the people that he loves. And why? It's because he's seeing them trying to do the DIY, do it themselves, trying to keep all the laws to be made right with God, and it's not working for them. And there is in every one of us a desire for purpose in life, for meaning, and we all search. And we see people today who in so many ways are trying to find some meaning to life and some purpose and some peace. And we see that it's not working for them. So how does it happen? How do people reach that place where they say, yes, Jesus is my Lord? And I want to baptize and sh be baptized and show it publicly. And how does it happen that people can continue to live lives as a follower of Jesus Christ? Is it DIY? Very, very small part. A very small part. Early in this letter, Paul tells us that it's in our DNA to want to know God. It's just part of who we are. Everyone can see, Paul says, the earth and the sky and God's power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing that there's a God. 
Dr. Charles Price tells a humorous story about this. I'll be referring to Dr. Price, um, well-known uh, biblical preacher, renowned speaker. He recently retired from the People's Church in Toronto, and I enjoyed for many years just uh, hearing his messages on television on Sunday afternoons. But he tells of a hypochondriac who went to a doctor, and he told the doctor, he said, I'm dying, doctor. He said, I have this fatal liver disease. And he explained it to the doctor, gave a name to it, and the doctor said that is absolute nonsense. The way that disease works, you would have no discomfort of any kind if you actually had it. To which the man replied, I know, that's my symptom. <laughs> Dr. Price says we don't have to pretend. We know there's something wrong. We know that we are in need. No matter how much we might have in life, we have an empty place that will never get filled. There will always be a discomfort until we know Jesus as Lord. And we want and we need the good news. We need the one whom we call the good, the great physician, Jesus himself. So again, how do we get there? Well, Dr. Price talks about how we do not stumble on Jesus casually. We do not stumble on Jesus casually. That's his quote. God is at work in our lives ahead of us, birthing us and in us a desire and awareness that becomes more than a curiosity, and that's exciting. That's exciting for us who want to explore that and get to know him this morning. That's exciting for us who are praying for our loved ones to know that God is at work. You see, God's love... The reaching out by Jesus to draw us to himself is so very, very personal. And I think sometimes we miss that. We've had the prayer triplets for these 99 days. It was information that I was given as part of transitional work, part of my training. It's supposed to be for 100 days. We started it on, on uh, Sunday, June 24th, and it gave us 99 days until today, Sunday, September 30th. So I had planned today to talk about the parable of the Good Shepherd that Jesus had told. And the parable is a story with a lesson for us to learn, but I am going to mention it. In that story, Jesus talks about how shepherds absolutely love their sheep, and the people that he would talk, had talked to would understand shepherding in that day but how a shepherd personally cared for each one of the sheep and the lambs, protected it. And Jesus said if a shepherd had a hundred sheep but found that just one had gone missing, he'd leave the 99 and go to try to find that one. And I have a beautiful picture on my wall that my family gave me when I graduated. And it's not just a shepherd walking around in some field or grass somewhere trying to find one of his sheep. It's a picture of a shepherd in a dangerous situation, halfway down a cliff, trying to hang on and reaching down for this little lamb that's falling down the cliff. I love that picture because it shows how much Jesus loves each and every one of us so personally. He loves you. He loves me. He's constantly reaching out for us, rescuing us, drawing us back to him. little rabbit trail here. 
we may not be following a lot of Jewish laws, and Paul had to try to tell the Israelites it's not about the law, it's about grace. But I'd like to share a story uh, with you that was told by Dr. Price and as, as an example of how sometimes we set up our church procedures and ways of doing things when we want people to meet Jesus and be baptized. He told of meetings that he, was, he had held in Australia, and on the first Sunday night, two young women came to him, and they told him how they were very confused about Christianity. They just couldn't seem to make it work. And he explained, well, it's a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus and with God, and we get to know God as the only true God, and we experience God. Relationship, again, seek him. Dr. Price said, ask him to reveal himself to you so you can love him and be loved by him and experience him yourself. Well, it came to the end of the week, and one of the women came to him, and she told him her story. And she said how some time before, she had gone to a pastor wanting to understand what Christianity was all about, wanting to try to meet Jesus, and that pastor said, oh, your timing is good, because tonight we're having an evangelistic meeting, and we're going to have uh, an opportunity at the end of the meeting to come forward. That would be what some of us would know as an altar call. And she did, and people prayed with her. But she said she knew nothing happened. She attended the church for quite a while, and then she went to another church, and she was still searching. So another pastor, and he prayed with her, and he got her to repeat some words after him. And many of us know that as the sinner's prayer, that we often get someone to repeat. And Dr. Price reminds us that it's never words, it's never repeating a prayer, it's repentance that makes us a Christian. Repent and be baptized and make Jesus Lord. So this woman said this didn't make a difference for her either. And she went on to yet a third. And she said at that church, people laid hands on her, and she said they shouted at me and they shouted at God. But that night, she said to Dr. Price, nobody, until you, nobody ever told me to look for Jesus myself. And it's worked. Did you hear in that, the laws, the way that we do it today? Dr. Price said we try to put people into a mold to make them Christians, and all we do is make people moldy <laughs> instead of offering them the life of Jesus Christ. So if you're seeking Jesus this morning, of course we'd love to have you come and talk to us, and, and we will pray with you, of course, but seek him yourself as well, because he's just waiting for you to talk to him and to look for him. Just tell him that you want the love and relationship. He'll be right there. Let's move this forward. There may be some of you here this morning, maybe a number of you, who have watched this service of baptism that was so meaningful. And you remember when you were baptized, and we heard two in the prayer triplet talk about it. But for some this morning, if you were to be completely honest, you might have to say you really still don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's very hard to admit. But you wouldn't be all alone in that. There have been people who have gone to church for years. There have been pastors 
who have told their stories of how they preached and served in churches for years. And finally, they got to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. So don't be embarrassed. Don't ever think it's too late. Talk to Jesus. Talk to us. But simply tell him what's happened. Verse 8 in this chapter, Paul says the message, Jesus, is so close. It's on our lips. It's in our hearts. As near as a tongue in the mouth, he says, as close as our hearts and our chest. Jesus is right here. And he's in the space right in front of us. And he's standing behind us. And he's longing to say to us, talk to me. Talk to me. I'm right here. He'll do the rest. He has done the rest on the cross. But what sometimes happens after baptism? We heard that promise. Do you promise to follow Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit? Does the glow of the gift of God's love sometimes start to wear off and we go right back to DIY? Do it yourself again? It can happen so easily. Sometimes when we're not even looking, there it is. And it isn't long before we start to compare ourselves as the follower of Jesus to other followers of Jesus, to someone else and how they're doing, and what gifts do they have, and how are they using them, and where and how are they serving, and how much time do they at least say that they spend in the Bible, how much knowledge do they have of Scripture, and how good are they at praying out loud in front of people, and we find ourselves into DIY, trying to do it ourselves to be like other followers of Jesus. And it happens in our churches, too. And we look at other churches, and we try to find out how many they have attended on a Sunday morning. And what is their budget? And are they meeting it? And how many programs do they have? And what are they doing for missions? And are they growing? And if they are, well, how are they doing it? Would they have a speaker that they would recommend or we could listen to? And do they have a book that maybe we could follow? Because we want to do it ourselves to be a church like them. It's interesting what so many of us do with even this book of Romans. We go to the chapters to tell us what to do. And pastors are good at this, and church leaders as well. In the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the Roman people, Paul tells us all about God's gift of Jesus and how Jesus died for us and that we receive that gift of mercy and freedom. Beautiful chapters of love and assurance. Chapter, chapter 8 of the book of Romans is called the chapter of hope. But we jump right in, and we start at chapter 12. And why? because it tells us what to do. You have to get yourself humble. You have to be working in unity with people. You have to learn to put people first. And of course we need to learn how to do those things. But don't we have to get our relationship right first? So I hope you'll read the whole book of Romans. I like the way the message translation talks about the welcoming word that we say to God. And Paul says the welcoming word that God loves to hear Jesus is my Lord. And when we say those words, we welcome God, Paul says, to go to work and set things right for us. When we see, say that Jesus is Lord, God doesn't say, okay, get to work, do it yourself now, you're on your own. It says it welcomes God to go to work in us through the Holy Spirit. Doesn't that help us just relax and breathe a little bit more? 
I don't want to oversimplify anything this morning. Being a Christian takes a total lifetime commitment forever and forever, amen, making Jesus Lord of our lives. And being a Christian is hard in a world where we are now the minority. We need God and we need one another. But can we hear this morning, we cannot do it ourselves. It's not DIY. Jesus is Lord. In some of our transitional meetings and other meetings we've had and studies, personal conversations, I keep hearing that we have to get our focus back on Jesus, that we have to get more into the Word, that we have to be in prayer more here as a church. And of course that is absolutely true. I call those things motherhood statements. No one would ever argue with that. But, But if we say, Jesus, be Lord of my life, And if we take that seriously, I'd like to offer up some bookends that I hope make sense to you. Jesus, be Lord of my life, and when you are, that will change the way that I live, not because of what I can do, but because you are Lord. Jesus, be Lord of my life, and when you are, that will change the way that I work in unity with others, not because I can do it myself, but because you are Lord. Jesus, be Lord of my life, and when you are, that will change how I do missions and how I care that people come to know you, not because I can do it, but because you are Lord. Jesus, be Lord of my life, And when you are, that will change the way that I see other people. And I will get to see them as your children, not my enemy. Not because I can do it myself, but because you are Lord. And Jesus, be Lord of my life. Because when you are, that will change the way I spend my money, the way I spend my time, the way I give you my money and my time. Not because I can get it right myself, but because you are Lord. Here the book ends, Jesus, you are Lord. I hope you'll maybe go home and work on the list yourself. What a difference when we make Jesus Lord. We cannot do it ourselves, but he can. Again, I don't want to minimize anything this morning, but I hope that we have seen this to be a a baptism service, a day of celebration, that each of us will draw close, maybe for the first time, maybe back again to Jesus Christ, draw close to him in relationship with him and walking close beside him. So I'd like to end this morning with a statement of faith. We have what we call the, the Apostles' Creed. I'm not going to read that, but I do love it. It starts by saying, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus, his only Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So I could read the the Apostles' Creed, and I would say, yes, I believe every word, and I've given my life to it. But if you will permit me, I'd like to read another statement of faith that maybe we can hear with some, again, fresh ears and a new way of looking at it. And uh, it has a lightness, but a, a seriousness to it as well. It's written by Anne Weems. She's a beautiful writer. Statement of faith. We believe in God, in Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit, and in you and me. We believe the Holy Spirit has freed us to worship as a community. We believe the Holy Spirit works through balloons and ministers, daisies and wiggly children, clanging cymbals and silence, drama and the unexpected, worship teams and banners, touching and praying, 
spontaneity in planning, faith and doubt. We believe the Holy Spirit works through tears and laughter, leading and supporting, hugging and kneeling, dancing and stillness. We believe the Holy Spirit works through applauding and giving, creativity and plotting, words and listening, holding and letting go. Thank you and help me. We believe the Holy Spirit works through scripture and hallelujahs, agonizing and celebrating, accepting and caring through you and through me and through love. We believe God's Holy Spirit lives in this community of dancing, hand-holding people where lines of age and politics and lifestyles are crossed. We believe in praising God for life. We believe in responding to God's grace and love and justice for all people. We believe in the poetry within each of us. We believe in dreams and visions. We believe in old people running and children leading. We believe in the kingdom of God within us. We believe in love. I'll close in prayer in just a moment. One thing I forgot this morning as I read that line about justice for all people. Today is Orange T-shirt Day, and I forgot to mention that as we think of the residential school. So look it up if you don't know what Orange T-shirt Day is. I didn't have a thing orange in my closet. I'm sorry, not a thing. But let's close this morning in prayer. God, thank you for the Apostles' Creed and all the wonderful words and, and hymns and, and processes and procedures that we've had over the years. Thank you for fresh ways of seeing and hearing you as well. For a statement of faith that would be written by an Ann Weems. God, help us to relax and just come into your presence and know the amazing love that you have, a personal love for each and every one of us. I hear again Jacob's words that we might be proud to call Emmanuel our church because the church is your people and you are here with us. So God, we thank you this morning. We praise you. We love and adore you. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.